1998, I founded the Kalamazoo Poetry Slam. I did it because I had a few talented friends who needed a place to take their art to the next level. And because I knew there had to be more voices out there waiting to be heard. And because I wanted to go to an open mic where at least two out of three poems didn't suck. My name is Tracy Smith, and this is the KZU Slamcast. This is Slam Later, like, the poems are like, you dirty fucking whore. But this is one of the good ones from the beginning. My ears reach the suburban noise of night. There's a question asked in one limited moment that never crossed into the I am the Smith. I am the poet. I am the Industrial Revolution. No longer bright as fireflies. So here we are, episode 14 of the KZU Slamcast, which coincidentally is about the number of weekly listeners we have at this point, but we're just getting started. This week's episode, the open mic portion of our Slam Finals from the year 2000. In this show we get a few tunes from Brooke Pridemore and a few tunes from Charlie Burgess. A dozen or so poets who aren't in the competition doing some really interesting stuff. It's a standing room only show, a lot of good energy, and a last minute feature that I booked after hearing him read his poetry at Kalamazoo College the week before. A poet who I still don't know his last name, Craig. If you're out there, Craig, you magnificent bastard, let us know who you are. Alrighty. Next up is Jenny, and then after that will be Brooke. There's Jenny. Is there a Jenny out there who wants to read a poem? No? Not here? Next up is Brooke. <laughs> okay, I got two, but I'll keep them under five minutes. You tried at 17 What I've wanted for all my life And I can't find a reason Something to believe in To make you change your mind And you can't wait for what I've been waiting for For all my life You lay down and die Yeah, I walked uptown through MLK Park I sit and watch the billboards I sit and watch the homeless man I'll sit amongst the people Or just watch it get dark You are exactly the same as you used to be Pure mediocrity, lay down and die Still take the cloudiness away You take the emptiness away You know what they say They tell me every silver lining Has a touch of gray laid out of die Dead lies, 
what you call it you And maybe I've been thinking maybe you've been brainwashed too I hope you're happy with the life you left behind I hope you're happy, no I don't, I hope you die And I can wait for what you were waiting for for all your life You lay down and die Yeah, I can wait for what you were waiting for for all your life. You lay down and die, lay down and die, lay down and die, lay down and die, lay down and die like a dead guy, lay down and die, lay down and die like a dead guy, lay down and die, lay down and die, lay down and die, lay down and die. You said that someday that things would be okay. That someday is not today. And I said, I said, okay, well, that's what I say. Yeah, I said that there's a reason that they call it someday. Goodbye, world, I'm leaving you today. Goodbye to happiness, I didn't want it anyway. Goodbye, Blue Monday and Johnny Ramone. Oh, whoa, whoa, hello, regrets and being alone. Yeah, you were the best I had, but I had to let you go. to thank you, but I also have to say I told you so. There's no such thing as love when you can't get past the tears. There's no such thing as life when I can't get past the years. Goodbye, cruel world, I'm leaving you today. Goodbye to happiness, I didn't want it anyway. Goodbye, Blue Monday and Johnny Ramone. Oh, whoa, oh, oh, whoa, hello, regrets being alone. So this afternoon, I was walking down Park Street, and I just, like, bumped into myself, which is really freaky, because I never had that happen to me, where you just bump into yourself standing there. And I was standing there playing my little blue guitar, and I, I went up and I said, hey, Brooke, what's going on? And I said, not much. How you doing, Brooke? And I said, well, I'm good. Just wondering what I'm doing standing here on a park when I just came down from further down park. I don't know what to think about that. And I said, well, I've been writing a song. I want to play this one for you. And I said, okay, well, let me hear it. So I went like this. I spent 10 whole days in Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem. Sweet Jerusalem. And all I ate was olives. Nothing but olives. Mountains of olives. It was a good 10 days. I like olives. And then another funny thing happened, because the ghost of Dan Byrne comes walking by. And he got all pissed off because I've been playing this song and not telling people that he wrote it. And so that's really not a good thing to piss off the ghost of Dan Byrne, especially when Dan's not even dead yet. So he grabbed me and he grabbed myself and he threw us both up against the wall. And he screamed. Well, he screamed. 
Goodbye to the world, I'm leaving you today. Goodbye to happiness, I didn't want it anyway. Goodbye Blue Monday and Johnny Ramone. Oh, whoa, whoa, hello, regrets of being alone. And even if you ask, I'll only tell you that it's fine. It must have been all that acid back in 1999. So she said that someday the things will be okay. And I said that there's a reason that they call it someday. Goodbye. Um, mine is actually entitled Bitchcraft. <laughs> she practices bitchcraft. She is the enemy of any good woman. Way too tall, hips small, parted lips, sink ships, I'm told. High-pitched laugh, cleavage cracked, or is that silicone? Makeup painted, attitude jaded. I want that one over there with the girlfriend. <coughs> She glides past, twitching her ass, and smiles at your man. But make no fuss, she can't discuss anything but her leathery tan. So ladies, be advised, listen to the wise, good women do win. And with a wave of the hand and a grin, he tells her, I'd like you to meet my girlfriend. Justice will be served to those who don't deserve the attention they command. She practices bitchcraft. <laughs> And I'll do one more since that wasn't too long. And I just entitled this, Damn. <laughs> Twisted, tantalizing, taste my kiss, and your essence will linger on my lips, where at 3 a.m. I reached over and touched your thigh soft. Hands calculate each measure of desire for the ultimate. We come undone in a world we share and do not speak of. You turn me on. Yet I remain calm as your morning breath spreads over my mouth like a sheet wet with love's perspiration. I plummet to a place I only fantasize about when you're not there. So kiss my everything that you possess with your everything, and we will find ourselves peeled away with the flesh of the soul exposed, ripped back, nails dig. I recite your name and my mantra, ritualistic rhythms, and I am caught up in... You are my fatalistic fantasy fetish fuck friend that I call home at 3 a.m. Thank you. <laughs> okay, this is a ridiculous poem I actually wrote to make fun of someone, and when I read it, they actually came up and said they really liked it. <laughs> so please don't take me seriously. It's called, Can a Horse Lay Oranges? 
Can a horse lay oranges? How tall is a mile? I can't forget you or that ridiculous smile. Do frogs have feathers or chickens have lips? Baby, my incoherence is due to those hips. Do books flap and fly or lampshades run free? Man, oh man, look what you're doing to me. Are bumblebees birds? Are windows smelly? Who <laughs> child, you should not have let me see that belly. Is sunshine green? Can you drink snow? Whatever happened to the things I used to know? Is salami sweet? Is sugar sour? My love, it grows more and more by the hour. Do ducks bark? Is there Kool-Aid in the sea? Boy, oh boy, how good you love me. Does the rain have ears? Do lizards have beaks? Why do I shiver whenever you speak? Are dandelions purple? Can leaves turn blue? I can't get enough baby of a little bit of you. Can you kiss a snake? Can you make ice in an oven? I'm telling you, baby, you give good, good loving. You guys are doing a great job keeping it under that five-minute thing. I love that. We're going to hopefully get through this whole list by 9 o'clock. Next up, we got John and then uh, Lon, I think that's what it says, and then Lucas. All righty. Uh, Mr. Mark Twain. Oh, man. Don't you hate it when you forget the first line? That's terrible. Okay, we'll just come back to that one if I remember it. All right, this is for some of the, the older folks in the crowd. This is Amari Baraka. This is in memory of radio. Who has ever stopped to think of the divinity of Lamont Cranston? Only Jack Kerouac that I know of, and me. The rest of you probably had on WCBS and Kate Smith or something equally unattractive. What can I say? It is better to have loved and lost than put linoleum in your living rooms. Am I a sage or something? Mandrake's hypnotic gesture of the week? Remember, I do not have the healing powers of Oral Roberts, and I cannot, like F.J. Sheen, tell you how to get saved and rich. I can't even order you to the gas chamber story like Hitler or Goody Knight. And love is an evil word. Turn it backwards. See what I mean? An evil word. And besides, who understands it? I certainly wouldn't like to go on that kind of limb. Saturday mornings, we listened to Red Lantern and his undersea folk. At 11, let's pretend, and we did. And I, the poet, still do. Thank God. What was it he used to say after the transformation when he was safe and invisible and the unbelievers couldn't throw stones? <laughs> Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. Oh, yes, he does. Oh, yes, he does. An evil word it is, this love. <laughs> All right. And then I took my finger out of the place I was looking for, and boy, this is, ain't my day. A few seconds longer, John. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, there we go. Some like poetry. Some. That means not all. Not even the majority of all but the minority. Not counting school where one must and poets themselves. There will be perhaps two in a thousand. 
like, but one also likes chicken noodle soup. One likes compliments in the color blue. One likes an old scarf. One likes to prove one's point. One likes to pet a dog. Poetry. But what sort of thing is poetry? More than one shaky answer has been given to that question. But I do not know, and I do not know, and I clutch onto it as a saving banister. Thanks. much serious shit going on in here. We need to get some pure bullshit. <laughs> now you understand, those of you that know me, that I am pure as a driven snow. <laughs> and I can't do nothing bad. They tell me even my loving is good. <laughs> so the devil made me do it. It ain't my fault. This is called my... <laughs> This is called turkey cooking instructions. If anybody needs a recipe later, you can come right over there and, and get me. <laughs> First, you open up my hole wide and you put your stuffing inside me. Oh, yes, like that. More and more, all the way in. Fill me up deep. Now lay me in my back. Oh, tie my legs together tight. Oh, so good. Now roll out a large piece of plastic and roll it, cover it all with honey and oil. Yes, that's right. Pour it all over and mix it in good. Now roll me all over in the honey and the oil. Put it on my back, around my neck. Yes, like that, oh, mm. Yeah, get lots of it on my breast, rub it in between my legs and get it in there good, oh yes, just like that, yes, yes. Oh, you are good at this, aren't you? Now put me in your oven and, oven and get me hot. Yes, I like this part. Hot, hot, and hotter still. Now take me out and stick your thermometer inside me and make sure my temperature is right just the way you like it. Yes, all the way in deeper. Oh, am I hot enough for you yet? Stick it in again. Make sure. Now pour it out and push it back in a little bit. Oh, yes, push it in there and make real sure I'm hot enough. <laughs> now lay me on a kitchen cabinet and uncover me. Taste my breasts that you covered with honey and oil. Nibble, nibble it ever so lightly. Reach into my hole and take out your stuffing. <laughs> All delicious and good. Taste it for me, will you? Oh, yes. Be sure to just right. Yes, yes, just like that. Now, spread open my thighs. Open them wide. Eat me, eat me. How the hell am I supposed to follow that? All right, there will be a test afterwards, so please pay attention. This first one I'm going to read is called Wham, because I w came home one evening, and I went down to my room, and I found this, and I guess my sister wrote it, because it's her handwriting, and I found it quite amusing, so I packed it away in my little dresser and saved it for tonight. Uh, it's called Wham. In the beginning, all was boring and filled with stupidity, so God said, let there be woman. Then woman got bored and lonely, so God said, 
Let there be animals. Then God decided that things weren't complicated enough and that he needed something to stress out the girls, and this something had to look like the animals but not be as quite as intelligent. So God said, let there be man. <laughs> then he finally created the important stuff, like shopping, malls, and makeup. <laughs> like I said, don't blame me. My sister wrote it. This next one is a true story. It's called True Story. And um, it's about an adventure I had this past Thursday with drugs and cleaning my friend's apartment. It all started out simple enough, as most jobs do. But this job has turned into a horrific nightmare that I will never, as long as I shall live, ever forget. You see, you have no way of knowing what lurks in the depths until you finally come to that point. And with a screeching halt, I came to that point, that horrible, mouth-wrenching conclusion that I could go no further in my endeavors. And I stopped. After four straight hours of grueling, back-breaking work, I stopped. Because, you see, I could not finish what I was paid $50 to do. No... You see, no amount of money in the world could allow me to go any further than I had already gone. I could pay off my back rent that I owe if I did it, I thought to myself. But no, the stench would make me vomit if I was brought to it again. I could smell it on my hands, and that was too much. You see, I could not go any farther. I was unable to clean my friend's week, month, two months worth of dishes. Tall. Okay. Up next. We got uh, Jackie, and then Josh, and then Charlie. Okay, this is really short. You were brilliant. You were brilliant tonight, a savior seed laced behind the black night. Your magic wove round me in a breeze, allured me with the scent of your tide-like enchantment. Sometimes I hear children cry within your pale light, but tonight I heard laughter. Does this signify a change in you? Am I finally getting your wavelength? As my cold hand reached for you, warmth skewered me, a tender sizzling, sent from a million miles to kiss the many facets of love. I miss you, Orion. My strength became stronger than the will of the clouds. They parted for me and formed a silver-lined purple palm around your, your gemstone face. Orion, maybe you are opal, lost dream catcher of a constellation, something I can look up to and feel. Here's another one that's really short. Drowning. So many have jumped ship. The ocean breaks the softest, the, beady, the beating salty red. My blood thickens like cooling lava, breath stunted, shallow and shaky counting the seconds like lost horizons, lost rhythms. My existence is freezing like the nerves beneath my nails, peeled from my skin, slowly like the stinging cold, the numb burn. 
It shatters the noble, the loyal dying. Density and consciousness hammer me, the victim, into nutrient-rich soil, carpenter's nail, mercy. I'm broken, spilled like the high tide in a low whirlpool where I am the middle, unable to unsnag from the hook of death. This first poem is called Nightly Observations. Nightly observations. When the lights dim, my face sports a grin. <laughs> Don't turn your back. I'm going to lace your coffee with sin. Black deeds, black hearts, all the things you never thought I'd be. Granted extra long protection if you know what I mean. Nightly observations, the dawn falls from the sky. Your pawn painted black and died, alone at first. You know I'm cursed to walk this earth with you inside. But I know the regulations, the court martials, the partial nudity. No, you're not going to get me to listen to this. Nightly observations, why, why, why? Nightly observations, up in the sky, there's a round barn and a war and chicken. Palaces foam deep, replace the bone on meat. Curse me, curse me. Why while you turn your backs, I'm gonna lace it. I don't care. You finally found your match. Now strike and flood the gates. Nightly observations. <clears throat> this next one is called Violent. Oh, Plithery, how grand. Grains of lines. Upon a one in a thousand chance, I stand with an open stance, and I allow myself to drift off into a further glance, and up the beam pole you seem to fart louder in midair. Hello. This song that came to me when I was swimming in the Caribbean. Senorita, 
Okay, I got six more people on this list, and it's already after 9 o'clock. So, I'm going to catch a lot of shit about this, but those people that we know and love who's, you know, you know, they've been here before, and you know them and you love them, I'm cutting them out. Sorry. But I got three who have, I don't think have ever been up here before who I'm going to let read. And then we got our feature. And I know there are still there are still at least two Maybe three poets out there who never been here and want to read, and I'm sorry, but come next week. Okay, we got three more poets. We've got um, she she told me how to pronounce her name. Uh, Uto, 
And then we have Brandon, and then we have Stacy. Okay? Okay. A hand with a knife makes a cut on my father's forehead, right above the meeting of his eyebrows, just enough to draw blood. A hand with a knife makes a cut on my father's forehead, right above the meeting of his eyebrows, just enough to draw blood. Over and over, a loop playing over and over on the inside of my eyelids. And every time I will it to change, it comes again, faster and faster, over and over. I open my eyes. I won't believe it. I close my eyes. Little hands gliding down my father's face. Little hands grabbing at his cheeks and his eyebrows. I was just making sure you're real, Daddy. Hello. I didn't mean to be strutting up here. I just can't walk. I just got my cast off. So This is called Everclear, and it's dedicated to my friends Chang and Schwartz. The loss of a friend is walking in the sun with no shadow following, or walking in all shadows. My lost friend is inside the shot I choked down, flaming my throat, trying to speak, washed over with silence and the urge to throw him up, wishing I never drank anything at all. My lost friend illuminates, but leaves no light switch. Losing a friend is nothing like you think it is. It is what you think it is, locked in a room with no windows, alone, running around walls, outside being pulled into the dirt, farther and farther by the roots of your memories. And for those who know what it is to lose a friend, I embrace you. With my empty words and stained hands, either you live for the dead or you die with them, slowly decomposing on a couch, surrounded by bottles of five o'clock gin and the residue of lines. Life after a friend's death is a sieve, never being filled up no matter how hard you try, unless you throw yourself completely into the ocean and drown. to do one that was very similar to his turkey one but uh since he already read one that was just like it I decided to do one that's called craft bro and um uh <laughs> shut a million <laughs> all right it says you all speak with such emotion as if writing poems were your own devotion I think this is a moment I will never forget then I realized I haven't heard anything yet I hear a loud happy and boisterous sound it's an original laugh belting around <laughs> Then someone speaks of saying her name. Clearly, geez, clearly she puts everyone to shame. And I sit and tune everyone else out. She never raises her voice. She never has to shout. 
shit. <laughs> Everyone is in awe from Denise's flow because she speaks in a tone that is soft, mild, and slow. Some speak of nothing or anything at all. James says it's 2 a.m. booty call. <laughs> Julian speaks of a chicken nugget fiasco. Melian wants a man with a big ass nappy afro. <laughs> um, me, I just want to sit and hear all of you. I want to catch a motivation and inspiration or two. That's mine. Okay, that's it for the open. Hopefully, hopefully, maybe if we're all real good and nice to each other and quick, there'll be more time after the slam. I hope. Now, I want to introduce a guy who I don't really know anything about. But I met him the other day reading at uh, K College. And uh, he's one of those unique people who have uh, crossed over from the academic world into our world. And I think he likes it here. So give a big hand for Craig. All these knobs, all these twiddly things. I came back here because the slam here has quite a fucking reputation across the country already. You should be really proud. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's that kind of reputation. <laughs> um, I'm going to do a couple of things for you up here and uh, then I'll, yeah. The power grip. Out of the blue, he calls to report our mutual friend has just dumped her lover of seven years. And why? Because he hit her. More than once? She says it's gone on since they started going out. She never breathed a word. Maybe she was afraid of what we'd think. Maybe she thought he'd stop. Me, I suspect the worst of everyone. I bet the sex was great. I bet he gave good head. This should, I know, make me upset, but the receiver is warm and round and is an exact fit to my ear, the voice that fills it. So easy to get used to the liberties he takes, the indiscretions of age, skill, seasoning. Men don't talk enough about fucking. He told me once and leaned closer across our table in the bar's dark corner tip of his middle finger wet, tracing obscure designs in a pool of spilled beer. Think of the slack we'd pick up if we just sat down, knocked back a few drinks, and compared notes. His notes were by far the more exhaustive. He did all the talking. With the connoisseur's attachment to the part, spare of the whole, the way bodies may be compounded, made explicit, spread out and open, made to grow loose, to spasm. The joints mapped, the soft parts, their degrees of sympathy, all the while putting fresh drinks into my hand, keeping up the low murmur, seamless, fluid as Latin mass. It's litany, go down on her. Go down on her again. Practice in case of emergency, the power grip. 
The what? He held his hands up to his face, index and little fingers thrust up, pressed together. This is the church, this is the steeple. Thumbs enticingly open. Pinkies tickle the ass. Pointers spread the lips. Thumbs for a chin rest. <laughs> and then, as now, not knowing what or if to say, struck dumb, made all into an open ear. Someday I'll get a call, sometime after the fact, a relative, a friend, perhaps the woman whose last bruises are fading as we speak, who won't make the same mistake again, but more likely someone who knows only my rank in his Rolodex. He passed away last week. When I ask how, a silence, long enough to suggest in what poor taste the question is. Not knowing is worse than what I can imagine. He died of eating raw mussels, the ones he freely harvested from the black rocks and the cleaner stretch of coast up current from the harbor. He'd been warned time and again by beachcombers, by stray marine biologists, by the diehard fishermen whose poles he found wedged between the larger pebbles, been lectured on dioxin and red tide, been sick two times already, the second nearly died. Perhaps instead, tipping a scrubbed clipped shell between his lips, he breathed the wrong way, stifled on fringed orange flesh. I watched him once lie belly down on the steep pitch of a boulder, boots locked between the rocks, freeing his arms to plunge now to the elbow, now up to the shoulder in a tide pool where he knew the muscles grew thickest, their fractal clusters dark as new bruises, shells liable to chip and once chipped, their insides quick to rot. A blunt butter knife in his left hand, the right sounding blind below the surface. Contours of curve, crevice, valve. Perhaps he slipped in headlong, struck rock, was dragged out of the brine too late, or not at all. His body left to slowly evanesce. The blueprint for Bouillabaisse, never trusted to paper in 20 generations. The thin layer of man between the brain that held it, the salt broth that stocked it, now dissolved. All that's left is the power grip. A secret handshake. The device of an old cult. A rite not softened by long use by cultivation, of which I've now been made receptacle. Thank you. I just want to do a couple more for you, and then we'll head on to the slam, the fun part of the evening. You're supposed to whoop it up when I say slam, you know? <laughs> right. I was at the Green Mill on Sunday, and God, that place was fucking sedate. <laughs> I think you could do better than that. All right. Um, I, uh, the first thing I did when I blew into town was head for the coffee shop, and I was sitting there drinking my awfully specific cappuccino, and there were all these sort of goth-type people hanging around. <laughs> I'm like, oh, cool. 
I'm at home. Where are you guys going this evening? Come to the slam. Like, we're going to see the Nine Inch Nails. So this is a poem for dead rock stars in general, but specifically for Jeff Buckley. It's called Grace for Jeff Buckley, 1966 to 1997. You were barely 30, and now you've gone and drowned. Walked off a Mississippi River marina in Memphis, clothes and all laughing, washed up at the base of Beale Street by the bars, and you weren't even drunk. Or like your father found spider clenched up with the needle still sticking. You, who were sweet and smart and beautiful, who bought a hat to teach yourself responsibility, dead by your own wild child-eyed exuberance. The voice has gone forever out of yourself, choked with heart stuck in the throat. Vienna choir boy gone banshee, dive-bombing us through thunderheads of swirled-together songs. The blues tuned up too tightly, past what the wound string could take, snapped, a snake feeding back on its own tail. You sang Lully Lulay, Lully Lulay, and got away with it. You hallelujahed, made me follow the curve of every note, led me momently to believe. But this you leave to me only, to each of us alone, no us at all. You were a vice as shameful to admit as chastity, as embarrassing to share. Like dogs licking a hurt we listen, womb walled away in our headphones, wiretappers, eavesdropping on the moan, mindful not to breathe too loud to read our own lips in silence. Now that you're gone, give us the grace to slowly find each other out. The shed skin, the loss of innocence you've been the patron of. The boy who lost his, tossed to one end of a strange bed, the fled drawn out of his body into another's privacy until you drew back into the sad, eroded sleep of the come unraveled. In that husband's side, you were a thorn tucked into his wife's purse next to the contraceptives. The one abandoned he can't share with her played out with others. In the dark, in a parked car. Faithless, yes, but less than he. The girl who hounded you from club to club in the front row against the stage each night, grappling the air, straining to claw her fingers through your head of tumbled out of bed brown hair and snare one for a keepsake, a relic. And when at last you yielded between je ne connais pas la fin and last goodbye, groped down in your jeans, pulled out a loose hair, and tendered it shyly for her to take. And as for me, when you washed up, I was in the south of France, the troubadour's old stomping ground. And there, in a pink and white church, a stopover along the Holy Body Circuit to Santiago, named for a bishop torn apart by wild horses. There in a crypt that smells of water dripped through bones is a triple box of glass. The outermost pavilion gold, octagonal to match the church's spire. The second silver, square. The last the exact size and shape of a crack vial in which you can barely make out a wisp of bramble, thorn from the thorny crown. I wanted to steal the whole thing, spirit it out of the country, take it home, and under those tiers of glass, one in four in eight, enshrine that single hair and stick the thorn back in my side where it belongs. Thank you.
One more. Scheherazade. The porch on which we sit and drink red wine is open. Anyone could hear us. We have no secrets, nothing at all to hide. I cross my legs, letting the instep nest the swell of your calf, a pass you take in stride, a first presumption, as if you weren't impressed or not enough to move away. You pause, only to take another long drag on the cigarette we're sharing and pick up the thread right where you dropped it a long yarn of wild high school days. We got so high. <laughs> the car was filled with smoke. I couldn't see a thing. I guess a cop came by and shined a flashlight in. I thought I'd gone blind. It was all a big white fog. <laughs> I took the chance and ran. I stuffed a baggie down my pants, opened the driver's side, and hit the ground running through everyone's backyard, around the hedge, and ended up at Mike's. His dad and mom were asleep, so we jumped into bed, covers over our heads, and couldn't stop giggling. <laughs> Half an hour later, the cop came by, woke up Mike's dad, asked if he'd heard anything. He got mad, yelled at the cop, woke up all the neighbors all over again. Each story blurs into the next. And so well unrehearsed, it's easy to forget I'm not the first to hear how your mother beat you with a belt for fooling with a fuse box. How you'd rather be shocked and learn that way by accidents, not design. The drugs. The making out sessions you covered for but never seemed to be invited to. More of the cop's incompetence. The bottle of mint schnapps you dropped in Lisa's jacuzzi, her parents away in Vegas. How the fumes cleared your nose. How you cleaned up, finding smaller and smaller slivers of glass, some with your feet. Because you didn't mind the sight of blood, the idea of injury, you thought you'd be a doctor. How you propped up and kept alive the passed out drunks until they sobered. The locked door parties you crashed and became the life of. The scared boys you taught to talk dirty. The obligato of lost and left lovers. One in particular who played guitar in a band who took you once out to coffee and then for weeks all night would park his car under your bedroom window, hang around until the lights went out, slipped you hot and bothered poems, harassed you from on stage, who, as the evening goes, is starting to sound a lot like me. <laughs> I want to interrupt, to say I wouldn't dream of doing that. But then I will have slipped my foot into the shoe that you've unlaced. Maybe without suspecting it would fit, or worried that it would. Afraid you'd run out of stories. Afraid to lose your head. Afraid of what you'd learn if you heard mine. I'm afraid too. Afraid you'll tell the same story twice. The friend who slit her wrists the wrong direction. The one who wrecked the car you lent and then wouldn't be held accountable. And whether we recognize it instantly or only when the thread has gone too far to wind with any grace back on the spool, will we have been spoiled for good? 
our trust deflowered? Will I be left unable to pretend I'm any more than a convenient ear, something to drain your excess? Lovers record each other's autobiographies, rehearse them till they slip from one tongue to the other without effort. Love's history without plot or meaning, only details. Nothing pairing or pruning doesn't kill. But when I'm at a loss except to say I like the way the hairs flow on your forearm, fine and dark, against the grain of muscle, not along it, there's no history. Not then, and maybe never, that this will start. Only another story. I feel already how your brain snaps shut, flattens me like a box. How you will cut me out with scissors, color me black and pink, sketch in a few features, a big nose, find some scraps of fabric to make me clothes, add me to your ensemble. I should fit in neatly. The stalker and I will start a band. Join Lisa, who must by now have shriveled into a raisin in the hot tub, pour bottle by bottle her parents' entire liquor cabinet in, get wasted, and invite those boys over to join us, those wallflowers whose new loose-tongued confidence and sass their lovers bless silently. Perhaps I'll find Mike, still where you left him, hiding under the covers. How will I introduce myself? What will I be? The bad idea you caught in time? The one that got away? The closet skeleton? The thing that taught you caution? Or just the melancholy boy who sat out on the porch and drank red wine? Whatever part you write me, I'll be pleased just to be cast, to be considered worth at least a story. However warped or skewed or flattering, wrapped as an infant with a mirror. The same rapture I wish you in this tail-swallowing tale. No more or less true than your idea of my idea of you. Thank you. What'd you think of that? All right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we're running overtime, but we are going to take a little break. Go smoke, get some food, get some beer, steal the chair of somebody who's smoking or getting a beer. And we'll be back in 10 minutes and we'll slam you.
write it down, right? And then pass it on to somebody. They read what you're saying. And then they are re-experienced. That's the only connection you have with that man. So you can't rewrite. Because to rewrite is to deceive and lie. And you betray your own thoughts. To rethink the flow and the rhythm and the tumbling out of the words is a betrayal. That's a sin, Martin. It's a sin. 